it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. A continuation of college basketball here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. He's Damon Benning. I'm Andrew Rogers. We are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. Following a 72-63 win uh, for Nebraska over the weekend, that was Fred Hoiberg's 11th win of the season with this team. That's the most in his coaching era with the team. Uh, and there's still seven games remaining. So you ask the question, what are fans thinking about when they show up at PBA? Um, because a lot of question marks surround Hoiberg and his ability to not only lead this team, but lead any Nebraska team. And I think it starts there. I think it starts at getting this 11th win for him because you can at least say that in a season – a season of woes that Hoiberg and his team still compete, and they are getting better, even though how it began, it didn't start off strong. So I think that's, that's a big takeaway, and I, I wonder if a lot of people are thinking about that too when they think, oh, man, you know, this is somebody that if we could get a different coach in here, we could make the NCAA tournament. Let's just say if you had Bill Self, you wouldn't make the NCAA tournament with uh, the struggles that this team has gone through. Bill Self wouldn't change the team that is on the floor right now to get you to the NCAA tournament. Fred Hoiberg is, is just making do with what he has. And it's not to say that I, I, I'm knocking any players when I say that. It's just, you know, it's the truth. It's yeah. just what's in front of him. It's interesting. I, you know, and I asked Robin, like, can it look a certain way where when you're watching these games unfold, right, you're at Ann Arbor coming up, and then I think you got Wisconsin at home, and then you're at Rutgers, and then I think you have Maryland at home. So you're going to go – the next four, you got two at two at the house and, and two on the road. Does the basketball need to look a certain way? If you fa- if you fast forwarded past wins, like if you're like, well, I don't think you're gonna win, you know, it's like, can it look a certain way to buy yourself some time? Because for all that's happened, for some reason, how he's still only two games under five hundred. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he's. They're still 11 and 13. But I don't know. The problem is, is over time, whatever is, usually it's more of. So Mm -hmm. guys and gals can be overexposed. Like, if you're living on borrowed time, over time that typically reveals itself. If you're pretty talented and you get off to a slow start, over time that typically will reveal itself. So... I don't know. Can can Lawrence continue to shoot the ball well? I don't. I don't know how I feel about Tomonaga over time. Um, but I mean, what are you going to do for depth in terms of scoring punch? You mentioned the defensive stats. 
you know, the three consecutive games over 70 points, and this team was built on defense. Then we talked about how he had flipped the roster and the mentality from a year ago and, and from pace and space mm -hmm. to gritty grinders. They may have to go back to trying to score again, and I don't. I still don't think that's the way that they can play because I don't think it's sustainable. You talk about sustainable. How, how about, like, the context of this? College, college sports in general is built off of win-loss. It's not really built on, hey, what Aesthetics. wins you get. Yeah. Like, hey, you beat Creighton this year, that's a big win. You're going to save your job because you beat Creighton. No, if you would have beaten three D2 schools and that would have showed up on your record, uh, and, and instead of looking 11 and 13, you now look 14 and 11, people would be like, oh, Fred Hoiberg's having a, having a good year because everything is so win-loss oriented. So whether you win games, whether you lose games, your job is always on the line, no matter what. Hot take. No matter what. Hot take. You always have to win games to kind of keep the mantra positive. It's not about, hey, we, if we're talking football, if we're talking Big Ten football, you beat Ohio State and you beat Iowa in the same season, uh, but you end up going three and nine. People are going see. To I be, don't know if I agree with that. Are, people I, are I not going to be happy I don't three know and I, nine because you're going to say, "Why didn't you make a bowl game if you could beat Ohio State?" I don't know about that. I, I think there was a stretch here over these last eight nine years where Nebraska could not have had a winning record, but if they would have beaten the right teams, it would have kept it would have kept folks at bay. I, I mean, that's just the sentiment I get. I, I'm serious. Like, if you get the you go four and eight and you beat Wisconsin and Iowa in the same year. I, I mean, look at Nebraska basketball, for instance. We're still talking about Iowa and Creighton. <laughs> I don't know about Iowa as much as Creighton. Oh, my gosh. You didn't hear yesterday th that, hey, man, they were ranking the wins. It's the third best take, win. Take right, the positives. Right, right behind Creighton and Iowa. And I'm like, it's not going to save Fred Hoiberg's job ranking those wins. It's, and it was so long ago, though. Right, that's a vastly different team. I, I, I think ultimately it comes down to continuing to develop because for whatever the reason, uh, and it's got to be part of the culture, so I think at some point you have to tip your cap to the staff. Like they bring it almost every night when it would be pretty easy not to. They started Sam Hoiberg. Not last night. No, I'm just saying in general. They've started Sam Hoiberg. Like, like – that's hard to play Big Ten basketball like that. No disrespect to Sam, but you can't be starting your son and expecting to contend in the Big Ten. Now, whatever, I think you only play 11 games that night or 11 minutes that night, but that, that, that's the, mm -hmm. that's, it's like you're, you're trying to play poker and you're, con you're, I mean, you're playing 6'8 offsuit, right? You're playing jack right. nine. I mean, they're okay hands, and listen, you need the flop to go right, but you, you're not, you just can't make a living at the table. So I, but again, when you pit it against the backdrop of the to totality of the three and a half years, that's where you get the pushback. And I wonder, because it's weird how it's starting to come up just like football did. People start looking at the buyout number. And I think this is arguably, that's not even arguable. I think this is his best coaching job. <laughs> I really do. First of all, 
we act like he didn't just flip the culture in a year. And, yeah, I know you can do that with basketball, but he did. Went from space and pace and shoot the ball to, you know, kind of grind you up, playing with good defense, and he recruited that way. Right? So, like, that unto itself, he's had some turnover in his staff, and that's been a positive. So it's like, gosh, do you need a starting point? Remember how we wanted to see a football coach? Just, gosh, if you just tweak a few coordinators and up here we go. We're on another offensive coordinator. And, oh, man, if he would just get rid of this guy as his DC. You know, we started trying to to rationalize if you just swap out a few pieces, how close are you? I don't, I don't know what the sentiment is with Nebraska's fan base because there's enough of them out there have they seen enough or is this year enough to say man if you just give him the pieces i think he can coach i thought he was fantastic yesterday there's no two ways about it and i know tomonaga got hot but we're underselling how he utilized and strategized with the roster in terms of offense for D. De- I thought he was fantastic yesterday and i don't think that's drinking one bit of kool-aid no there's moments that he's had you know great coaching outings and there's other ones where, you know, you kind of shake your head. But this year he's been dealt a hard hand. And there's no doubt about that. I don't, I don't think anybody's arguing that. But I, but I will say, you know, at the end of the day, what's taken into the most account, it feels, is win-loss record. And somebody that does win a lot is Coach McDermott. And, uh, you know, on that Creighton side of things, the moment in that game that kind of scared me was with three minutes to go, Ryan Kalkbrenner heads to the baseline to take a charge mm-hmm. with four fouls. Did you like that? Do you think he got lucky? Or do you think in that moment you would tell your player, hey, just let him go? Yeah, so I uh, – Because in that moment for me, I'd say let him go. You have four fouls. You're too impactful down low for the rest of this game. But you also don't want to play scared. I think at that stage of the game – now, if there's six, seven minutes left – Okay, I could see it. But in a tightly contested game where it seemed like every two points was going to matter, I think you make that play. Man, I was holding my breath. I think you make that play every day that ends and and why. And, why? And, and it's just hard to tell competitors, hey, man. Like, again, six, seven minutes to go. Um, hey, maybe you don't you – don't, you let that one go. But in a tightly contested game, you're getting ready to get under the four-minute mark. I don't. I, th- I think you need to stop. Paid off. Yeah, and 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 listen. I, do you get the Whitmore buzz? I think he's just on a bad team. We, we talked about all these. Fr- we talked. What was that? Thursday, Wednesday. We talked about all these right. freshmen and. I mean, I, being a potential lottery pick, I think people are kind of like reaching. But at the same time, crazier things have happened. It's. I. 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 I don't get it. I think it's hard to. I think it's hard to function. In any level of basketball, when you don't shoot it well. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think of when you talk about buzz, just a completely different example here. But when Michael Porter Jr. was at Mizzou, he played like three games. Mm-hmm. And the state of Missouri was going – or like the buzz around him was insane. Number one pick. Oh, he's going to go top three in the draft. And then all of a sudden he goes like still 12 or 13 and he played three games. Like buzz is like – kind of crazy in how it can land you a place but it also goes to show that nba scouts know a lot more than me when it comes to and i always uh, think too talent. like i think you always start with talent i i 
I mean, we've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. It, I watch. I'm wa- I watch it all the time, and it starts young. It's we like to blame NBA and NFL on. Oh man, taking a chance on talent. Listen, it, you see it all. You see it at the high school level. I look at. I look at wins and losses and how people play in crunch time, and then I look at like how people fawn and how they can throw or catch or run in shorts and a t-shirt. And I'm like, you guys aren't interested in winning. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> like, these guys don't win. <laughs> Sam McEwen up next.